up, everybody? Welcome into the porch. It is College World Series times. Tennessee Volunteers are heading back to Omaha for the second time in the past three seasons. And for the sixth time ever, Tennessee joins one of four teams in the country uh, who have uh, made repeat trips to Omaha over the course of the last three seasons. The other teams include Stanford, Texas, Virginia, and of course, the Tennessee Volunteers. Three of those four teams, ever all excluding Texas, are back in Omaha for this year as well. And so, man, it uh, should be should be an exciting time. And uh, we're going to talk about it all right here on the porch. I'm Eric Kane. This is brought to you by Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey. You got a problem? Let them find a solution for you. That is TN Trial Lawyers. They do great service to East Tennessee. Go see them in person at 142 Cherokee Street in Kingsport, Tennessee. Give them a call today for a free consultation at 423-245-4185. And as always, you can visit them online at Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Dot com. Could not do the porch without our friends. Spivey King, Spivey, LLP.com. All right, so uh, I'm going to try to be a little quick today. I know you guys want to get to Luke, and, and uh, that, that's the uh, the best part about this show, and I couldn't agree more. And Luke is, I already recorded with him, Luke is really good today. Um, he says some stuff, that he gets real, you know. He, he says some stuff uh, about the 2021 trip to Omaha and how this year could be different and lessons learned and and all that type of stuff. And, and of course, the 22 season, he gets real for a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I even wrote about it. Uh, I don't know if it's out there yet or not by the time this this uh, plays. But I've got a column um, where I kind of talk about it as well that'll be out before game time on Saturday. So a lot of good stuff. And uh, But what I want to do is I want to, again, kind of um, explain what the College World Series is. A lot of you guys listening know exactly what it is. So uh, you know, just bear with me here for the next 30, 45 seconds. But uh, for those of you guys who are new and uh, following along with college baseball and just want to support Tennessee and don't really know how the College World Series works, well, it's the final eight teams, okay, and you split it in two. You got four teams on this side, four teams on that side, and you're playing a regional, okay? The, you know, the double elimination, who can advance out of the regional, just like Tennessee advanced out of the Clemson regional two weeks ago. And then the, the team that advances on each side out of the regional, if you will, We'll go on to the College World Series final, and you will play a super regional, a best of a two, a best of a three game series, and the winner of that, boy, you're uh, you're champions, okay? So, um, yeah, um, that that's that's essentially what the College World Series is, and uh, Tennessee is. Luke says something here in a moment. You know, it's it's never the team that everybody thinks is going to win. It's never the team that no one knows about. It's it's that team right in the middle, and just a good solid baseball team. And that's what Tennessee is, guys. Tennessee, again, I've, I've said it all week, Tennessee is not the villains anymore. The the national media, the national fan base might view Tennessee as the villains, the bad boys, but that is not this team. That was 2022. They play with emotion, sure, but that's not this team. They're also not a Cinderella, okay? They're just a team that was not very good, that, that started playing up to its potential, and, and the wind started stacking up, and you know now, now you're here. You just continue to get better and better and better, and you're getting all you can out of some players and, and other players you're reaching their potential. And that just wasn't the case uh, earlier in the season. And so, I mean, I'm excited. I, I'm so thrilled uh, to be heading to Omaha, catching a flight Saturday morning. I'll be arriving in Omaha early Saturday afternoon and getting ready for the game. So fingers crossed there's no delays with my flights for sure. Uh, man, I can't wait. This is going to be one of those things to where as a as a player, of course, you'll never forget. As a fan, you'll never forget, especially those you guys are going. But Man, as a media member, dude, I might not ever get this chance again. You just never know. So I'm pumped. I'm thrilled. Um, on Tennessee's side of the bracket, okay, the volunteers, they didn't get any favors, right? 
On Tennessee's side of the bracket, Tennessee, of course, will square off against LSU uh, Saturday night at 7 for its first game. The other two teams in that bracket are Wake Forest and Stanford. Stanford was the eighth overall seed. Wake Forest was the number one overall seed. LSU was the fifth overall seed. And Tennessee was a two seed. Um, you know, it, it wasn't even an overall seed. It wasn't in the top 16, so it was a two seed. You look at the other side of the bracket. Um, again, World Series, anything can happen. But if I'm Florida, I like it, right? And that's why Florida's going to lose two and go home. Um, if Florida, Virginia, Oral Roberts, and TCU. Florida will score off against Oral Roberts first. And uh, Virginia squares off against TCU. And so that's what the other side of the bracket looks like. Um it's tough. Wake Forest has been the best team in the country for the three-fourths of the year. Um, LSU was the best team in the country for the first third, you know, third to half of the season, if you will. Um, Stanford, you know, is just winning and, and gets hot at the right time and plays their way in, just like they do every single year um, out of the Pac-12. And uh, Tennessee, of course, and I, I don't mean to sound like they weren't very good. I mean, they were a host seed, uh, but, you know, they, they just continue to make their way to Omaha. That's been kind of routine for them. And then we know about Tennessee's story. Uh, it's funny, Tennessee and LSU preseason number one and number two added again. Tennessee uh, fell victim of a 2-1 series loss in the Bayou uh, at um, back in um, SEC play, the beginning of SEC play. Tennessee lost game one, 6-4. If you remember, man, it was like a 2-2 ball game in that, I want to say, eighth or ninth inning. And there was a routine play over to first, and all Seth Howerson had to do was catch it, and you're out of the inning. That didn't happen. Christian Moore, all he had to do was make a throw to first, and that didn't happen. I mean, it spiraled out of control for him, and they lost like six to four in that ball game. And then in, in game two, I believe they lost by a run or two as well. But I mean, you just had silly mistakes, Dylan Dryling getting picked off, and then someone hits a home run right behind him, just stuff like that, right? I mean, the defense wasn't good, the starting pitching wasn't great, but Tennessee did salvage it. And it came out victorious in Game Three. That was back at the beginning of the season where Tennessee had that gr grueling stretch where they were at LSU, lost two games to uh, two games to one. They played, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Florida, lost two games to one. They swept, or they were swept by Arkansas, and then you swept Vanderbilt. It was that during that grueling stretch there. But uh, quickly, let me, uh, you know, this this team's a it's it's a brand new team, right? I mean, it doesn't mean it's going to win, but. Tennessee is not who they were back in early April. Tennessee is not who they were back in late March. This is a different ball club, and um, I'm excited to see what it can look like. Quickly, a little refresher, and all this will be in my uh, my College World Series preview available Saturday morning at VolQuest.com. Let's look at LSU, 48-15, and 15, uh, fifth overall seed. They were the fourth number four RPI team and number 17 in terms of strength of schedule. Um, they finished second in the SEC West. Of course, they... Uh, were the, the three seed for the SEC tournament. They did beat South Carolina, and then they uh, fell to Arkansas and AM to make it somewhat of a short trip. Um, hosted NCAA Regional and Super at home. They took down Tulane, Oregon State twice uh, before advancing on and taking down Kentucky in two games, and now they're back in the College World Series. Uh, the batting for LSU is pretty solid. Team average of 314. Um, that's 13th highest in the country. They got the second best uh, team OBP on base percentage. They have the second best slugging percentage in the nation. They're second to Tennessee in home runs at 133, and they are first in runs scored. Okay, Dylan Cruz, number one overall MLB draft prospect, um, outfielder, 17 home runs, 67 RBI, 15 doubles, um, 434 batting average. He's good. Okay, he's literally almost hitting one out of every, every two. Uh, he's literally almost tallying a hit in every two at-bats that he sees. 
He is almost hitting 500. It's it's incredible, right? Um, he's incredible. He's good. You got Tommy White or Tommy Tanks, as you'll hear him refer to all this weekend. Coming over from NC State, cleanup hitter, third baseman, 22 home runs, 97 RBI. Um, yeah, that's that's getting it done. Outfielder K Bledsoe sitting 316 at the plate. Yeah, Jordan Thompson, who's a shortstop, he's the lowest batting average guy of the everyday guys, and he's still hitting 273, which isn't too shabby, right? Um, he leads the team with seven stolen bags. LSU doesn't run an awful lot, uh, but he leads the team with seven stolen bags while Cruz is right behind him with six. Look at the arms, and they got Paul Skeens and not really anybody else, in my opinion. A team ERA of 454, 37th in the country. Strikeouts per nine innings, 11.6. That is third in the country. They strike out a lot. Are they? Uh, and that's because of Paul Skeens. And then their whip is 1.31, which is 11th in the country. But Paul Skeens is who Tennessee's going to face. And Paul Skeens is uh, number two uh, MLB draft uh, prospect at MLB.com. Of course, we saw Paul Skeens already this year. He pitched against Tennessee in that Friday night game. He will live in triple digits, okay? Um, it's pretty incredible. He leads the nation with 188 strikeouts, which is... Goodness gracious, that's a ton. He's got the second-best ERA in the nation of 1.77. Um, he is really, really good. He's got a 12-2 and record. He started all 17 weeks of the season. He's thrown 107 innings. Um, he's only walked 18 batters this year. He's Keep this in mind. He has struck out 188 batters. He has only walked 18. Freaking incredible, man. Freaking incredible. So Tennessee's got their work cut out for him. Uh, be patient, work deep into accounts, foul balls off, foul balls off. Just try to make them work. It's really all you can do. Just try to make them work. Behind him, and I, I'm going to I'm gonna mention some more pitchers because, again, um, you are likely to see one of these teams in the regional, quote-unquote regional, again later in the week, even if you win or lose. So um, if Tennessee sees Paul Skeens, maybe they'll see Ty Floyd, who is, is a decent number two. 7-0 is the record of 450 ERA. Um, he's got 93 strikeouts, 32 walks. Thatcher Hurd is the guy Tennessee lit up like a Christmas tree in Game 3. 6-2, six a 649 Yes, 649 ERA in 10 starts this game this season. Christian Little, 2-2 two two record, a 747 ERA. He's a starting option as well. Uh, Riley Cooper, 4-3, 502 ERA is one of the guys used out of the bullpen with 27 appearances on the season. Blake Money, 1-0, a 573 ERA has been relied on uh, in big-time situations out of the bullpen. A two-way freshman infielder, Gavin Gudry, 3-0, a 342 ERA. And um, he's tied for the uh, the team lead with three saves as well on the season. So, again, you got Paul Skeens. If you can get past Paul Skeens, you're in good shape because LSU doesn't have a whole lot behind him. They got some guys who can do it, but it's nothing like Tennessee, and it's nothing like Wake Forest you'll see in a moment. That is LSU. Here's Wake Forest. Wake Forest is good. Um, I don't want to uh, compare one team to the next team, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, I don't think it's quite to the degree, but the 2022 Volunteers, that's the 2023 Wake Forest Demon Dinkins. 52 and 10 is the record. Number one overall seed, all right? Uh, number one in the RPI, number 37 in the strength of schedule. Uh, they, um, man, they, they took the ACC regular regular season championship. Miami put them out in the, SEC, in the ACC tournament, however. They um, they defeated George Mason twice in Maryland in regional play. They whooped up on Alabama in Supers. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. This is the Wendy's. <laughs> I saw that tweet from somebody during Supers. Gosh, I forgot who it was. It might have been Barrett Salee. It was so dang funny. It was like, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Alabama's losing to Wake Forest 22-7 to in the in the eighth inning, and someone quoted it and said, 
Sarah, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> oh, I'm stupid. It's funny. Um, but yeah, they whooped up on Alabama, outscored in 27 to nine in that supers. And uh, one thing about this is, and, and you can't really take an awful lot from this. And I asked, I asked Luke about this in a moment, but Tennessee did see Wake in the fall. Um, played 18 innings at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. It was the Sunday after the LSU game when um, Flot was delayed by like you know four hours after covering the LSU game, turning right around coming home. Flot was delayed, and I, I got uh, to the park in the second inning of 18 innings, and a lot of my best friends on the general quarters were giving me hell um, because I showed up in the in the second inning. Uh, of an 18 inning game of after being in Baton Rouge just hours before I find that hilarious then I find it even funnier now uh anyway um just gonna throw shade I mean yeah it's it's worth it right with throw shade you guys throw shade at me sometimes it's all funny games though love and war Wake Forest Demon Deacons again really really good so Tennessee did see them back in the fall so at least you have a taste of kind of who they are in terms of players and all that type of stuff but it's not true but You've at least seen them, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Bats are really good. Ninth high, 19th highest average in the country at 309. Third best on base percentage. Sixth best slugging percentage. Fourth in terms of home runs at 129. Uh, 583 runs scored. That's third highest in the country. Uh, Nick Kurtz, 370 batting average. He's the first baseman. 24 home runs, 69 uh, RBI. Nice little number there. Uh, cleanup hitter, third baseman, Brock Wilkin. Really good player. Tied for second in the country, with 30 home runs, tied for 10th in the nation with 80 runs driven in. Second baseman Justin Johnson, who hits fifth behind Wilkin, is hitting 341 on the season with 16 home runs and 76 RBI. Eight players who have started at least 30 games for Wake Forest this year currently are hitting over 300 this year. That's that's incredible. I'm going to say that again. Eight players who have started at least 30 games this year for Wake are hitting over 300 right now. Goodness gracious, that is. Really, really good. The team doesn't run an awful lot of the base pass, but they've only been caught twice on the year. That's a good stat. Um, so they don't run a lot, but when they run, they're very successful. They've stolen 43 bags out of 45 attempts. Uh, Tommy Hawk leads the team with 13 stolen bags. Leadoff man center fielder uh, Danny Corona. Outfielder Adam uh, Ciracy. They have double-digit home runs as well. So it's a, it's a really solid lineup. But for as good as Wake Forest is at the plate, Wake Forest is damn good on the mound. Goodness gracious. Number one team in the country with a 284 ERA. Number one team in the country with 12.2 strikeouts per nine innings. Number one team in the country with a 1.04 whip. Really good. Really, really good. Um, the stud is Rhett Louder. 15-0, a 192 ERA. Undisputed stab. He's got the fourth lowest, uh, ranking fourth in the nation in terms of ERA. He's tied for fifth with 131 strikeouts. Let's let's pause a moment. Remember when I was talking about Paul Skeens leading the nation with 188 strikeouts? Rhett Louder, who's a dang good pitcher as well, an All-American, he's tied for fifth with 131. That's 50 less. Goodness gracious. Um, behind him is Seth Keener, 7-1 record, a 2.23 ERA. He's a swing man, 21 appearances. He's also made seven starts. Uh, lefty Sean Sullivan, 5-3, 2.80 ERA. He's made 10 starts. Another lefty, Josh Hartle, 11 and 2, 280 ERA. He's made all but one weekend start this season, and he also has 131 strikeouts. So again, listen to those ERAs: 1.92, 2.23, 2.80, 2 um, These are some dang good ERAs. Uh, Camden. Menasini, 0 and 1, a 2.73 ERA, has 12 saves on the year, and uh, that's tied for eighth in the country. So, Wake Forest, man, they are good. 
really, really good. I knew it all season long. I've, I've caught a couple of games whenever I'm just, you know, searching through the, uh, uh, the, the channels here. But, I mean, seeing it on paper, goodness gracious. And then finally, I'm going to break down Stanford in case Tennessee sees Stanford in this, re- this quote-unquote regional play. Um, again, the winner, uh, so Stanford and Wake Forest play at two o'clock on Saturday, Tennessee and LSU play at seven o'clock on Saturday. The winners will play on Monday at seven. The losers of those two games will play at two o'clock on Monday. And that is an elimination game. So if Tennessee were to see Stanford, here's a little bit about Stanford 44 and 18 is the record, uh, eighth overall seed, number 16 in the RPI, number 35 in the strength of schedule. Uh, they won the Pac-12 regular season championship. They were put out by Arizona in the conference tournaments by a score of 14-4 to in, uh, in that one. They earned the eighth overall seed. They hosted both Supers and Regionals at home. They advanced to Omaha on one of the wackiest plays ever, if you remember how the, the Texas guy just lost the ball in the lives, never saw it, and it was heartbreaking for them. Um, but nonetheless, that is who Stanford is. Um, at the plate, Ninth highest at batting average in the country at 319. Uh, on base percentage ranks in the 30s nationally. Slugging ranks number eighth in the country. Home runs 117. That's 10th in the country. And they've scored the 10th most runs as well at 529. Uh, third baseman Tommy Troy, uh, one of several guys on this lineup that could swing the stick pretty well. 397 batting average. Uh, he had second in the order. He's second in home runs with 17. He's fifth with 58. <laughs> He's fifth. With 58 RBI, let that sink in. Incredible. Uh, cleanup hitter, left fielder, Alberto Rios uh, leads the squad with 18 home runs, 71 RBI, a 387 batting average. Not bad. DH, Braden Montgomery, 17 home runs, 60 RBI. Catcher, Malcolm Moore, 15 home runs, 62 RBI. First baseman, Graham Carter, 15 home run, 17 RBI. Goodness gracious. Second baseman, Drew Bowser, 14 home runs, 48 RBI. Um, That's a lot of production there from that lineup, no doubt about it. Eight of the nine everyday players in the lineup are hitting over 300, while Troy, Tommy Troy, the third baseman, leads the squad with 17 stolen bases on 20 attempts. So, again, it's Omaha, the best of the best, all right? The best rosters, the best talented, the best grown players. And so we're looking at these stats here on paper, and these teams are tough, but so is Tennessee. Let's look at the Orange quickly uh, before we uh, we call it quits here. Uh, we get to Luke. The arms, not good for Stanford. There's a lot of opportunity there. A 575 team ERA, that's 128th in the country. Uh, 10 strikeouts, 10 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. That's pretty good. That's top 15. The whip, though, is in the 100s as well nationally. 1.55 is the whip. That ranks 108th in the country. So, the number one is Joey Dixon, 7-0, 4.86 ERA, right-handed pitcher, okay? Um, the number two, or at least the guy that pitched second last weekend, was the guy that made all the headlines, throwing 156 pitches with 16 strikeouts. I'll tell you this right now, that is malpractice, okay? I understand pitch outs go out the window this time of the year. I'm lenient. I get it. 156 pitches, someone should get their ass fired. That's just my opinion. That's ridiculous. A uh, 10-4 record for Quinn Matthews. He's a southpaw. A 360 ERA. Really, really solid player. Um, he's got a team high, uh, 120 innings pitched, and about half of those came last weekend in the start against Texas. <laughs> 152 strikeouts. That ain't bad at all. That's top five in the country. Um, he's given up, though. Listen to this. Given up an astounding 43 extra base hits on the season. He's given up like 29 doubles, guys. Goodness gracious. Other guys behind him, Matt Scott, he's a Roddy, 5-4, 4, 486 ERA. 
Um, he started 12 games, 23 appearances. Righty Brant Panzer, 3-1, a 443 ERA. He leads the squad with 31 appearances out of the bullpen. Um, he's second with five saves. And then you have a Sal ball by the name of Ryan Bruno, 2-1, a 518 ERA. He has nine saves on the season in 29 appearances. Okay, that is a look at Tennessee's side of the bracket. Uh, Tennessee is getting going in college World Series play from Omaha, Nebraska, Saturday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time, and the first game is going to be up against LSU. Big game coming up. We'll have all the coverage at VolQuest.com. Please stay dialed into VolQuest.com. Check out the General's Quarters. I'll have a game thread going there. It'll be live. We've had like... Goodness gracious, we've had we've had like near thirty long page game threads, which is incredible, guys. Job well done. Uh, let's keep it clean in there as well. And um, yeah, you can always follow us on Twitter at underscore Kaner and at Volquest underscore on three. Luke Lipsius is coming up next. Great stuff from Luke. So I want to get this read in and give my friends some shout outs over at Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Shut up and let you get to Luke. Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Problem? Let them find a solution for you. That is TN Trial Lawyers. They specialize in some great stuff, guys. Criminal defense, family law, personal injury. They have over 80 years of combined experience. Spivey King and Spivey LLP provides representation throughout the state and federal courts of Northeast Tennessee. They have so much experience. This practice has been in place for 43 years with this partnership since 2012. They are energized for today's modern legal demands. Primarily operating out of Northeast Tennessee, the Tri-Cities of Sullivan County, as well as Hawkins County, Washington County, and surrounding areas. They have won multiple awards as a staff and have attorneys who have been rated by super lawyers in the Mid-South with real trial experience. Whether you are injured in a car accident, need a divorce, help with custody of your children, or have been accused of a crime, we are here to help. It's Bobby King and Spivey LLP. They are. I'm, I'm not smart enough for that, but they are there to help you for sure at Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Go see them in person. That address is 142 Cherokee Street, Kingsport, Tennessee. Free consultation. Give them a call today at 423-245-4185. A free consultation. Pick up the phone right now, 423-245-4185. And as always, visit them online, Spivey King and Spivey LLP.com. One more time, Spivey King and Spivey LLP.com. Luke Lipsius coming up next right here on the porch. College World Series, man. Uh, second time in three years. Of course, you were on that team that went in 2021. Um, I mean, how as a former player now watching and, of course, being you know former teammates of these guys currently on the roster, um, how excited are you? How cool is this for Tennessee baseball back in the College World Series? Um, it is so exciting to see a team. Not only what it means, you know, you're literally – top eight out of whatever it is, 300 division one college baseball teams. But just the fact of where they started, where they are now, um, the fact they made it to Omaha so great. Um, it's just, it's an experience like no other. And for this team to have done what they did in the regional, done what they did in the super and make it all the way to the top. It's absolutely amazing. Omaha is the one of the best places on earth, especially if you're a college baseball fan, but it's, it's awesome, especially for the coaching staff and V, you know, um, it is just so good for him to have done what he did. You know, we're, we're kind of where we need to be after the, the program turnaround that he implemented and just seeing him consistently making it deep into the postseason is just so great for not only the baseball team, but also for Tennessee um, in itself. Yeah, no doubt. And you kind of brought up an interesting point. We'll talk plenty of World Series, a little bit of that Supers, and uh, no no shortage no shortage of conversation here today. Um, 
But you mentioned Tony, um, and you and I were kind of you talk about that 2019 team before we started recording. You guys had some dudes on that team, no doubt. But would you say maybe this is Tony's best coaching job this year? I think you could make the argument, okay, because you were placing all the starters and everything, and you had to work through so much. But also, there's still so much talent, even though they hadn't played and even though they weren't experienced. There's still so much talent on this team. Whereas you took a 2019 team to regional play where you you might not have had as much talent on that roster. But either way, I mean, Tony's done a heck of a job. But which one would you say maybe is the better coaching job? You know, it's it's really tough to say. I think uh, back in 2019, he was still finding himself. We were still finding ourselves. Um, and so the fact that he did what he did with what he had, extremely impressive. You know, he's a, a young head coach that is just fighting for – a job, his name, all this stuff. And he took, I, I really think that 2019 team um, was a better coaching job just because you take a less talented team and extract every ounce of potential you had mm-hmm. out of that team. Now, this 2023 team is different because the talent's been there from the start um, and they had to go through some bad stuff before they got to the good stuff. Now, uh, I'd say this is more of a whole staff job because it does take the whole staff, you know, the E, uh, Coach A, um, and especially Q, to have a turnaround like they did. And so as far as coaching goes and team goes, I think this is the, a better team coaching uh, job to have all this talent, all these egos coming off of the best season in Tennessee baseball history have it start bad, turn it around, awesome. But I do think that 2019 was where Tony started, probably made his name doing what he did, taking us to the postseason first time in whatever, 15 years, um, all that stuff. Yeah, no doubt. Plus, you know, in this conversation, if you're to branch off, I mean, you still uh, you still have to come in and coach. You still have to come in and develop talent because you can be as talented in the world, but if you get no development, you're going to be left behind. But either way, Tony's doing a heck of a job. And uh, this year's no different. So when I get to Omaha, um, I'm so excited. I've heard um, that this is one of the best events in all the sports, especially college sports. Um, you you made the comment to me that you know only the the diehard baseball fans are going to be there. This whole thing obviously is just for baseball. What all is going to be going on? Tell us about the things that you saw and you observed outside of playing when you were there. Yeah, well, it's it's just there's so much pageantry, and you literally feel like a celebrity for a whole week so you show up to omaha you're in your bus um there's people that are sitting in your hotel waiting to greet you they know when you're coming you know twitter announces all that stuff and then you you get to to just practice you're practicing over at um i think it's creighton using their practice field all that stuff their facilities and then you walk around the omaha village that they have set up not only for the players but also the fans that are there Um, And it was different in 2021 because, you know, Tennessee was just starting to make the verge. People knew who you were. Um, And and I remember playing this game with with my buddy Pete. Um, Everyone knows Pete. Um, And we would uh, go just walk past like a Vols fan. We'd say, go Vols. And then, of course, they'd say, go Vols. And then they'd like turn back around. Then they do a double take. And I think that was one of the most rewarding, rewarding things because it's like, holy moly. People know who we are. Um, it, it makes you feel like a celebrity. Now, this team, they're going to have a lot more people with eyes or a lot more 
eyes on them because everyone knows Tennessee now. So they're just going to soak it in, you know, feel like celebrities, get their egos boosted just a little bit. Hopefully they'll come back down before game time on Saturday. Uh, but it, it's just so great. And then you get to the field and it, it's such a beautiful stadium. They got ESPN doing all the interviews and the, um, the whatever, the cut cutaway scene stuff, you know, like uh, I think we gave V a piggyback when I did mine. Um, it's, it's just <laughs> everything about it is so front fun from start to finish. Um, that you, it's hard not to get lost in it. You know, you just feel so much like a celebrity. It's like, are we even playing baseball? Like there's, there's games going on. So um, it's, it's so fun. I'm so happy for the guys that they get to experience it, especially the younger guys, you know, it's something that you take with you um, for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that really is awesome, man. When you put it in that way, that, that perspective, and uh, I'm just a guy going to cover it and, I'm thrilled because I I think that like in my career as I go on, um, you know, hopefully I'll get another other opportunity to do this again. But you, you might not, and, and so this might be one of those things even for me that I can go back and say, yeah, man, I covered a college World Series. So mm-hmm. we'll see if Tennessee can continue to win. So it'll be an extended stay. That that'd be a whole lot of fun as well. Yeah, it's um, a little better than the the two and done that we experienced in twenty twenty two. Sure, yeah, you want to win some games, but hell, you got there, right? I mean, that's yeah, that's exactly. an accomplishment itself. Um, and on that note again, so I was having this conversation today, you know, I tell me where I'm wrong or tell me if I'm wrong. If you disagree, you know, Tennessee, not just happy to be there, not saying that you guys were just happy to be there. You wanted to win, but Tennessee's not just happy to be there. They've been there before. albeit a lot of the guys on the roster weren't on that team at that point, but Tennessee's also not the villains in college baseball. Some may still view them that way because of what you guys did last year, but that's not really this team. This seems also not a Cinderella. I, this is just a baseball team that turned it around, figured some things out. It's not really a feel-good story. It's just a team that got better as the year went on, and they're playing their best baseball right now, and they're relying on that talent that got developed. And And here you are in Omaha. I, I think Tennessee's got as great of a chance as anybody to you know be the last team standing just because of the way this team's made up. Yeah, and uh, I think you're completely right. This is exactly the makeup of an Omaha championship team. It's never the team you most expect. It's never the team you least expect. It's that team kind of right in the middle, just a solid team, and that's what we are. Um, As far as um, them having this feeling of we made it, yes, that'll be there. I think there's enough um, returners from the team last year to realize, like, hey – we lost when it mattered most. Let's not do that again. Yeah. And then you got the even more veteran guys who have been to Omaha with that mentality of we made it. Cause let's face it, nobody likes to say it, but we were kind of just happy to be there. Um, it was just it's, it's so crazy. Um, but so we got the guys like, like Sewell, C Scott, those guys that have been there and know what it feels like to have that mentality and it not work out. And so it's great that we have that leadership that can trickle it down to like, hey, guys, I know this is really cool, but we got to lock it in. We're still playing baseball against incredible competition. Um, so I, th- I really do think they have a, a good mix of talent, grittiness now, um, and just being that team that is going to go out there, play ball. They're playing well. Um, they've cleaned up their defense a whole lot, and it's, it's absolutely awesome. All right, so how did Tennessee get to this point? Well, as we know, claimed the Hattiesburg Super Regional, a weekend that had over 20, almost a full day of weather delays, 23 hours and like 14 minutes of weather delays. You lose game one. Your back is against the wall. You're down 4 nothing in game two. You explode for a six-run fourth inning, and then from there you outscore uh, Southern Miss 13 to nothing the rest of the way. 
Um, Andrew Lindsay, probably his worst performance so far this year. Um, but Chase Dolander picks him up, and, and Drew Bean picks him up, and that offense uh, w- was dynamite the last two days. What did you like from, um, and a guy I haven't even mentioned yet, Chase Burns, what did you like from Tennessee and Hattiesburg, and what was a, a fun weekend for Tennessee, and punch their ticket to Omaha? Yeah, well, uh, I'll start with with how I feel about the first game. You know, it was, it was tough to watch. Offense just wasn't doing what they were. We got the rain delay. They came back, scored three runs, and then it seemed like nothing else happened. And so – when you kind of get back into it and then immediately fall right off and you know in the back of your head you have to play another game, the fact that they gave up another four runs and they were down 4 nothing, and they came back, put up that huge six by, ended up winning the game, that just shows you the kind of team that they have turned into. It's a team that's not going to be back down. They know that they can come back. Um, and they did it. And I mean, the stones on Dolly to give up four runs and then nothing the rest of the game. Just such a big confidence booster. Shows you what he can do, too. Um, I mean, I, I bet it raises draft stock just a little bit. But still, no one really cares about that when you're in Omaha. And then, of course, Beam lights out on Sunday. You know, just, just shut a team out in in the in the final game of the Super. Sucks for Southern Miss. That's the second time they've lost a Super being shut out. Um, uh, it's awesome too. And, and even that game, you know, things were going very slowly that third inning when we, um, when Merritt drove in the run, the next two ABs might've been the worst ABs I've ever seen in my entire life because, or the next three, because we're taking fastballs down the middle with first and third. And it's like, what are we doing? But to rally back from that, they, I guess, put their heads back on straight or something, a little reset. <laughs> Um, and to score uh, Zane, huge Homer, uh, Maui caps it off. It's, it's a lot of really good momentum going into the week. And speaking of which Redmond and I were talking, it's almost better that that game got pushed to Monday and the series didn't end Sunday because that was another problem with last year. We got to Omaha so early. We had so much time to think about it and just yeah. sit on it and sit on it. Whereas this team, you know, they, they flew back yesterday um, they probably practice and now they're flying out again today. They'll practice tomorrow. They got no real breathing room to have it settle in, so to speak, which I think in this ist- instance, um, with the younger guys, it'll be good. They got one thing on their mind and that's to go play ball. And so yeah. just, just the, the way they did the super regional awesome to come out on top. Um, it, it's awesome. Yeah. That timeline, uh, caught a flight from Hattiesburg or really from Gulfport about, 11 eight about noon Eastern on Tuesday, got mm-hmm. back to Knoxville. They flew out in Knoxville about four o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday, did practice media on Thursday, a little bit of practice, watching a whole lot of baseball on Friday. And of course, uh, getting after it uh, Saturday night. So yeah, that, that's a really good point. Not having to, I mean, you're going to sit around a little bit, but I mean, Tennessee's, you know, game got pushed and you went to game three anyway. So if you're on the move, you know, maybe that'll help you out a little bit. Um, Chase Burns, you know, coming in and I mean, just what a weapon, man. Um, hitting 102 miles per hour on the radar gun a couple of times, the emotion, the throat slash coming off the field. I mean, you know, Dolander showed some emotion too this week and probably more than I've seen at all this year from him. Um, I mean, what an, another huge Chase Burns moment. I mean, you saw it one time last weekend against Vanderbilt and, and then against Southern Miss. I mean, just what a luxury to have, man. And that, again, that's why I think Tennessee stacks up just as well as anybody because you can go from Lindsay, from Doe to Beam to Halvey to Sewell to Burns, and then you got AJ Russell and then Kirby. 
mean, this this team's pitching is incredible. Yeah, so uh, when Burns struck that guy out, I didn't think – well, he started screaming, and then he kept screaming, and then he kept screaming. I, I didn't know when he was going to stop. I was like, dude, you must be out of breath or something. But like I said, he steps on the mound, and the vibe changes. It's The big dog is here. It's going to be hard. Um, you just have to try to hit it and do your best. And, and these Southern Miss guys, they, they looked absolutely dumbfounded. Um, and it's what's great about Omaha, what sets us up even better is you get a day break between games. So that means guys like Burns, if needed, could go more than just an inning and bounce back to the next game. You could see a, a two inning, maybe even a three inning performance on one day, and he'd still be ready for that next day. So we got so many guys in the pen. Halvey showed that he was so good. Um, and then you got A.J. Russell. He just got announced he's All-American. So it's it's all these guys. And we didn't even see guys like uh, like Kirby or, or Sewell didn't throw all that much. So we, we got fresh arms. We got guys that are in there. And, of course, we got Burns in the back of that pen that will just clean up whatever's going on and, and give them no chance. So it's that that staff has is poised really well. Um, they got coaches that manage it so well. I'm I'm really excited to see what happens. I think college baseball is the hardest sport to win a championship in. Like the NBA, it's pretty difficult as well because it's just, I mean, it truly is another season. Uh, if you if you sat there and calculated up how many uh, games LeBron James has played, like playoff games, I mean, that that's a couple of seasons, literally, because you're, I mean, seven game, five game, five, you know, whatever the case is, it's just so long. But Omaha, you got to play a grueling regular season, conference tournament, regional setup, super regional setup and then Omaha which is regional and then super regionals kind of combined um it, it's difficult but when you look at Tennessee's bracket on their side of the Omaha for this little mini regional if you want to call it of course you're going to square off against uh LSU yeah that's that's game number one on Saturday night the other two teams Wake Forest and Stanford um we'll start with LSU obviously Tennessee got swept on the road uh in Baton Rouge earlier this year it's a new team from that team there uh, but you know you're going to get Paul Skeens, Dylan Cruz, Trey Morgan, Tommy White. It's a really talented team. Um, how can you knock off Skeens? Um, he's only got like 18 walks on the year. He throws gas. How do you try to knock him off his rhythm uh, as a hitter? Because if you knock him off his rhythm, obviously you have a really good chance of winning. Yeah, you know, it's it's so hard because Skeens is so talented. And like you said, you see guys that can bring it up to a hundred um and then it's like some of these guys they don't have good off speed some of these guys they don't have good command with skeins you got power fastball you got power off speed that he can command and he can just command everything he doesn't walk people so um it's really tough trying to knock him on his uh, knock him off his horse but i think the key is going to be wearing him down with good ab's if you can foul off his pitches and of course you want to hit balls, but if you can just wear him down, um, I think mentally it's going to be better more than physically. We saw him go 124 pitches um, in that, uh, in the super. So we know he can go deep into games, but just more mentally, he's like, God, these guys just won't give in. Um, it, it's just going to be dog against dog. And it's one of those games where if you can find a way to win, then not only do you set yourself up so well for the rest of the tournament, that loser's bracket is a beast, but the amount of momentum and confidence it would give you would basically drive you to the championship. If you can beat them, then you can beat anyone. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see 
how the guys react after already seeing them once. And I didn't think they did bad against, bad against them in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. I thought they put up good ABs. Um, they were barreling some balls, but it's you just got to do it some more. And that's the the sucky part with the pitcher of this stature and how good he is. Yeah, he's really good. And I thought Tennessee beat themselves that weekend. That was back when they were playing, mm-hmm. you know, bad defense, bad yep, base bad running, all defense, that type of stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. Wake Forest, you did 18 inning against them back in October. It was fall. It was exhibition. Teams are different. I get all that. How much can you take from at least seeing some of these guys, you know, playing against, seeing their pitching? How much can you take away from what you saw in the fall from Wake Forest? Not much. The fall gives you a snapshot, but even so, like the the 2021 Omaha team for us, we were all fall All-Americans. I swear everyone was hitting 400, nine home runs, that kind of deal. We get out in the spring and we're all hitting like 220. We are struggling. <laughs> but that, that team was a, a whole different deal because we were so gritty. But the fall doesn't give you a really good snapshot. Maybe you have – it doesn't really matter as much because as far as statistics on pitchers, statistics on hitters with how much data we collect these days, you're going to feel like it's just another team and you're going to know what they like to do, what they don't like to do, all this stuff. Um, so the fall doesn't give you a really good – reading of how they're playing now that Wake Forest team is really good and really dangerous and they showed it especially on that Sunday win against Alabama they can throw it so well I think three of their pitchers are or like their whole whole rotation is basically an all-American it seems like um, and then they got so many big bats in that lineup now I'm going to be one of those guys Wake Forest is a boombox doesn't matter when you're hitting 30 and 24 and, and 16 homers that means they have juice um, so it's it's another team that you know you'd you'd expect them to beat Stanford, um, and hopefully we match up against them. But again, it's going to be basically like playing an LSU 2.0. Um, I still do think that once if you take down Skeens, then no one else really compares. We've already seen the biggest bats in the SEC, so it, we're we're well suited to play a Wake Forest S team. It's just we got to worry about LSU. Yeah, I, I think uh, Paul Skeens is incredible. I think LSU's team is really, really good. If they are in the loser bracket, they're in trouble because mm-hmm. uh, the pitching is not as great behind Skeens for sure. Yep, I'm also uh, yeah, surprised they're... that his arm is not falling off yet because they've thrown the crap out of him all year long. Yeah, no, he's uh, what, it, what he's doing, just the, the depth that he's going. He's still running up to 100, uh, 120 pitches later. It's it's nuts. But you like you said, that bullpen is not – not very good let, let's be honest and and hasn't been good at towards the back half of the season either so it's finding a way to get schemes out of the game which that's a tough task in its own but again wearing them down putting up good abs uh, hopefully if we can get in that bullpen i expect him to go no less than six regardless of the score unless we're beating them of course by like eight or something but if we're putting up three and four i would still expect to see him go deep deep into the ball game all right last thing um you know blake burke Put together some some quality abs. It looked like more of himself against Clemson. Um, he he had a couple of abs that were pretty bad against Southern Miss in that series. A couple that were decent and mm-hmm. um, t- you know, kind of taking what the pitcher was giving him. And then he had that mammoth home run. I mean, it clear, literally it, it cleared the tree lot almost. It one hopped the church that was behind right field, four hundred and seventy nine feet. I know you're not surprised, but what was your immediate reactions watching that? Um, well, I think I just texted all my buddies. I was just like, holy moly, do you see that? Because I know they're all watching. And that's just, he can do that. And we know he can do that. And I, I've seen him do it consistently. Yeah. Now, 
Um, he does that. He hits a double off the wall again. He almost had two homers. Um, what what scares me kind of is the fact that his Sunday or his Monday AB, sorry, I'm getting the days confused. His Monday ABs were so bad. He yeah. took the same swing. So the first, his first AB, he took that little butt out swing on a fastball. And then he had the same exact swing on the same exact pitch twice for two strikeouts. It was that curveball away or whatever. He was just waving at it. So that Sunday game where he hit the mammoth home run and he hit the double, you'd like it to see. You like to see it more of a turnaround game and him him come out and get a couple hits on Sunday. You know, put together good abs. The fact that he just kind of went backwards could be bad, could be good. Maybe he's getting all the bad ones out before Omaha. You know, you never know. However you spin it, hopefully he comes back and and he's ready to hit some more four hundred seventy nine foot homers. Well, if you have Blake Burke hitting seventh in your order. It's not the worst thing is the way there's, I look at it. There's some good going. <laughs> All right. Uh, last thing, for sure, I promise. Um, I can't remember in 2019. I'm sorry. Um, you guys never dogpiled on anybody else's field, right? It was always dogpiling on your field. Yep. Watching them dogpile on Southern Miss's field, that's got to be one of the best feelings in sports, right? You want to be at home. You want to celebrate with the fans and everything. But going on the road and advancing, it's got to be one of the best feelings in all sports. Oh, it is because it's one of the hardest things to do in sports. Yeah. When you're at somebody else's house, especially in college baseball, you know, in the pros it's different um, just because I I say it doesn't really mean as much, you know, as, as far as regular season, even uh, postseason go. But when you get at somebody else's home for a super where their fans are coming out, you know, it's their coach's last season. He's trying yeah. to go out, win that that kind of stuff. Um, and you get to dogpile on somebody else's field, it does feel pretty sweet. There's something to be said about doing it at home, but just going in somewhere else and almost like like claiming their field, you know, it's like we're here, this is ours now. Um, it's it's a great feeling, and and it's awesome that they did that. All right, well, Tennessee will get going in the College World Series on Saturday against LSU, and then we'll play either Wake Forest or Stanford on Monday. Uh, could be a lengthy, oh, we'll call it 10 days or so in Omaha, hopefully. Um, and uh, we'll see how Tennessee does. We know Luke Lipsy is former Tennessee first baseman, is going to be watching all of it. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, fun, fun time. And, and hopefully Tennessee's alive next week and we do this again, all right? Yeah, hopefully they're uh, they're keeping it with. I'll, I'll see you next week. All right, man. That is Luke Lipsius, former Tennessee first baseman, right here on the porch. College World Series time. I mean, this is this is it. This is the final step of the staircase. Uh, Tennessee has gotten better. Tennessee has been resilient. And now Tennessee will take on the College World Series in Omaha. The pageantry is going to be there. The broadcasts are going to be there. There's going to be cameras everywhere. Crazy fans. Um, If you're there, say hello. I'm excited about it. I know you are as well. And uh, again, I'll continue to say it. Tennessee is built to win this time of the year. Will they do it? We'll find out. Um, You hope that they can win a couple games and stay alive, and I think that they certainly can. So we'll see what Tennessee does in Omaha. I appreciate you guys, as always, for listening and watching us on the porch. A big shout-out, as always, to Spivey King and Spivey LLP for making all of this coverage possible. you got a problem, let them find a solution for you. That's TN Trial Lawyers. I appreciate you guys, as always. Stay safe, and uh, we'll see you in Omaha. This has been The Porch, a Ball Quest baseball podcast.